This is the Ipsy SDA Media Network. Good morning, church. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to have many people here. Some people have said to me, as they've greeted me as I've gone through my little experience, it's good to see me. Well, I always tell them it's good to be seen. <laughs> and it's good to see each and every one of you here this morning. I suppose that a preacher could not ask for a better preparation for his message than that good music. Amen? And I hope we will support our good brother in his concert coming up soon. And that interactive, everybody's awake children's story. <laughs> so I know that no one is drowsy of eye this morning. If you are, you will be a bad cat or a dog or <laughs> rooster. I was so glad she included us up here. To tell you the actual truth, I was actually saying, we want to do something up here. And she got us involved. It's good to be involved in God's worship. Amen. Now, would you just bow your heads with me as we approach the throne of grace? Father of light and wisdom and power, you are the one we come to worship. Though you've seen fit to use us in various capacities through the song and through the music, through the stories, through scripture reading, through the preaching of the word, the real speaker, the real one we come to hear is none other than the God of heaven himself. And so we ask today that you would speak. We are not capable, we are not worthy of either speaking or hearing to the effective uh, blessing of our souls. But today, we know that your spirit is able to do one more time, if it so be called a minor miracle of grace, that hearts in need might be blessed again today, and that your name might be called blessed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to start the message this morning with a preface unusual for me. I think I'd like to leave the main point in the text so you can get it later, but this one is so important. I'm going to state it up front. Is that all right? One of the most important dichotomies, you know what a dichotomy is? A contradiction of the faith that every Christian must conquer, and there are a lot of dichotomies in the faith. Huh? See, God wins by surrender. He adds by subtracting. He multiplies by dividing. Are you with me this morning? He defeats an army larger than itself, than his people, by reducing the number of the people in his army. You follow me? God says, not the wise, not the smart, not the ones who have their MBA degrees, not the ones who know how to conquer things, not those will inherit the earth, but the meek will inherit the earth. I heard one commentator said, well, that's the only way the meek are going to get it. They're going to inherit it. Well, I want to be in that number. Say amen. So there are a lot of dichotomies of the faith. Some things about following Jesus on the surface of common sense don't make earthly sense. Huh? For the Bible says his ways are so far above our ways. It's like the stars and the heavens is above the earth. You just can't figure God out. You got to accept it. So one of the economies we got to understand and accept as Christians is even though we are not saved by our own efforts, we will not make any progress in the Christian life without our effort. Shall I say that again? Even though we are saved without our effort, Jesus has already done it. All you have to do is accept that you will make no progress in your own Christian life. I'm talking about spiritual growth without your effort. Strange way that God reminded me of this this week. Actually, last week I started meditating on this particular message. Seems it came from an unlikely place. You know, I like different translations. It was in your scripture reading this morning. May I return you there? Genesis, the 22nd chapter, verses 15 through 18. We look at the story of Abraham. Abraham, you know the story. Ah, some call this Abraham's final test, the greatest test, the master exam that Abraham had to go through. Abraham, what? Take 
your only son, take him up on the mountain and sacrifice him there. And Abraham took his only son, didn't tell his mother or his servants, didn't even tell his son, and went up on the mountain. And had it not been the interference of what this text calls the angel of the Lord. Another name for Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. Study that out for yourself. I won't go into it. The angel of the Lord interfered with him and said, Abraham, Abraham, lay not your hand upon the child because you have proven to me that you will not withhold from me your only son. Look over there, Jehovah Jireh. I have provided myself a ram. Sacrifice him instead of your son. First time the angel spoke, second time the angel spoke, Genesis 20 to 15, and the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven and second time and said, by myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gates of his enemies." Verse 18, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou has obeyed my voice. Can I read verses 17 and 18 to you from the Amplified Version? The Bible says, in blessing I will bless you and in multiplying I will multiply your descendants like the stars of the heavens and like the sands of the seashore. And your seed, in parenthesis, heir, will possess the gate of his enemies. Verse 18 is key. And in your seed, Christ, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Now get this. And by him bless themselves. And by him bless themselves. Because you have heard and obeyed my voice. There's so much in this text. So much in this text. I had trouble deciding what to say about it. Little controversy here. You know, I'm glad for the old way, my old landmarks. How about you? Hmm. Some of the new commentaries say that the descendant, that seed referred to in verse 18 is the descendants of Abraham, plural. You know, like... The an extrapolated, valid interpretation, meaning you get it after the main point. But the old-time good commentators say that the seed in that verse is singular, and it refers to Christ. So to Abraham, in Christ shall all nations of the earth be blessed. And according to the Amplified Version, and by him bless themselves. Church this morning, we ought to help ourselves. Come on, say amen. Help yourself by studying this passage that came to my mind that there was an action involved in our receiving the blessings of the Lord. Number one, there is no better thing you can do for yourself than to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. When you do, you have appropriated, accepted, and brought upon yourself the greatest blessing that God could bestow on mankind. We are told that in Christ, God gave the very best gift of heaven. There is nothing up there better than what we already got in the life and ministry and continuing ministry of Jesus Christ on our behalf. Can you say amen? And the best thing you could do is accept Jesus. Sometimes to see hard seems hard. But when you accept him, you bless yourself. Huh? Life no longer looks the same now that you have Jesus. Problems no longer have an Gordian knot solution. Y'all not listening to me this morning. <laughs> you know the Gordian knot, that, 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 that ancient uh, uh, myth 
that uh, among, I think, the Hebrews, not the Hebrews, the Greek or the Romans, that the, the gods who were quite capricious in their religious, they loved to tease and tantalize and, 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 and hurt the people who worshipped them, and they would give them difficult tasks to do, like make them roll a stone up a hill, only to make it roll down again, and then they have to roll it back up for eternity. That would be punishment. One man named Damocles was condemned to sit under a sword that was hanging over his head by a single thread of hair. Huh? And sometimes they could be quite capricious, but our God is not like that. Our God is a God of mercy and love and of power. And when you accept him, he does not place before you difficult solutions that you cannot find. Life finally makes sense. Huh? There is a way out of everything, but you won't receive it until you learn the part you have to play in receiving the blessings of the Lord. God gave it to you, but if you don't do anything with it, you will lose it. How many know what I'm talking about? I bet you I could give you a case in point. A couple of three weeks ago, we had Women's Day here at the church. And our very efficient leadership placed a little trinket on all the tables. I remember that? Okay, you don't have to tell me, but how many remember, first of all, what it was? One, two, three, four. See, they had to think. Now the hands are coming up. Some of you are not here. Okay, now the $64,000 question. What'd you do with it? How many of you, if I said, go home, find it, and when you come back, the, little, the pastor will give you a complete set of commentaries and a brand new Bible, if you can bring it back? <laughs> I knew better than to offer you money. Say amen. Uh, how many of you could go home right now, put your hand on it, and bring it here? One, two, three. Everybody got one. But because you didn't do anything with it, you didn't prize it, you lost it. You might have given it away. But it was a reminder of an important event. The same things happens with the salvation of Jesus Christ. If you don't use it, you lose it. Huh? If you don't make forward progress, your faith will die. If you don't stop participating in what God says, the blessings will become inactive and actually become a testimony against you in the day of judgment. So we shall be called to give an account for everything that's given. To whom much is given, much is required. What have you received from the Lord and what are you doing with it? Are you with me, church? So when God gives us, there's a responsibility for us. Do you know that every gift obligates you in some way? Huh? If you find a penny on the road, at least you got to make a decision. <laughs> oh, I don't need that penny. Walk over. Some people say pennies make dollars, so they pick it up. Put it in your pocket, right? Somebody give you a gift. At least you got to take it home and find a place to put it, right? God has given us salvation, and for far too many Christians, it's just sitting on the shelf because they won't help themselves. I got to back up a little bit. One of the greatest aspects of this story about salvation is that the God of heaven, who is the greatest above all in all and all in all, will lay himself out as a gift before mankind and say, take as much as you want. The question today is, how much Jesus do you want? Do you want just enough so that the name Christian sticks? Do you want just enough so you could have a private reference and help library? Do you want just enough so that when times get bad and you really think the signs of the time are coming to pass and Jesus is about to come, you got a little head start and getting ready before it's everlastingly too late? Or do you want enough that your life is transformed? Do you want enough so that people know that you're a Christian, not just by looking at Do you want enough so that, as it was said of Jesus and John, that the spirit was given to him not with measure? Huh? 
Jesus had so much Holy Ghost that it wasn't measurable. And some people think we cannot enter into that experience. But we can if we would only help. I got to share this with you right now. If you want a good study in the Bible and the spirit of prophecy, look up that verse and then in the scripture references on John, the third chapter, verse 34. Let me read it. For whom God has sent, speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the spirit by measure unto him. She says a number of important things. In the gift of the spirit, Jesus gave to man the highest good that heaven could bestow. It is the spirit that makes effectual what has been wrought out by the world's redeemer. It is by the spirit that the heart is made pure. Through the spirit, the believer becomes a partaker of the divine nature. You want enough Jesus for your nature to change? Oh, y'all not talking to me. Now. Christ has given his spirit as a divine power to overcome all hereditary and cultivated tendencies to evil and to impress his own character upon the church. It is the privilege of every son and daughter of God. How many? Every son and daughter of God to have the indwelling of the spirit. How do you get it? Let every church member kneel before God and pray earnestly for the impartation of the spirit. Cry, Lord, increase my faith. Make me understand thy word for the interest of thy word giveth light. Refresh me by thy presence. Fill me with thy spirit. Some folk of our persuasion that think fierce-filled Christians only belong to other churches. <laughs> you know, some of those churches who have charismatic in front of their name, all of that stuff, well, I may not agree with everything that happens over there, but I'm here to tell you that the Holy Spirit was designed for every believer. And the Bible says, if you have not the spirit of Christ, you are none of his. Ooh. May I continue with that? She, she breaks it down. She said, we may talk about the blessings of the Holy Spirit. This is from Our High Calling, page 150. We may talk about the blessings of the Holy Spirit, but unless we prepare ourselves for its reception, of what avail are our works? Are we striving with all our power to attain the stature of men and women in Christ? Are we seeking for his fullness, ever pressing toward the mark set before us, the perfection of his character? When the Lord's people reach this mark, they will be sealed in their foreheads. Same passage. When a man is filled with the spirit. And this is sometimes why we only want a little bit. When a man is filled with the spirit, the more severely he is tested and tried. How much Jesus do you want? The more clearly he proves that he is a representative of Christ. The peace that dwells in the soul is seen in the continents. The words and actions express the love of the Savior. Self is renounced. The name of Jesus is written on all that is said and done. Help yourself. To the spirit of God. She goes on to say in another place, in order for us to receive the spirit, we got to get rid of self out of our lives. Not self-identity. Not a Holy Ghost enlightened self-interest. Are you with me? But what we must get rid of is selfishness. Are you with me? Some folk in church because they're selfish. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. They don't want nobody else to take their crown. That's a good motive. But that's not the best motive. The best motive is to serve Christ because he is our all and all. So we need to help ourselves to the character and the spirit of Christ. Second point in the passage is that when we obey, God can do mighty things with us. You see the last part of that verse? It says, Abraham, because you obey, because you pass the test, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And by him, Jesus blessed themselves because you obey. 
let me clear uh, a possible misconception. God was not saying to Abraham, you're the only one that I could use to do this. Huh? You read that and say, because you obey. Well, if Abraham had not obeyed, what would have happened to Jesus? God would have found somebody else. Huh? God was not saying, oh, you made it possible, Abraham. I thank you very much. God was saying because you had the common gospel sense. Y'all not listening to me. <laughs> to do what I asked you to do, now you're going to be blessed. And your descendants, you get to be a part of my plan. Huh? We all have our own plans. We like our plans because we have traced it out from the end to the beginning. As you know, those are the type of sermons I love to preach. You know, if I can give you insight into what, what it's like to be a preacher sometimes, sometimes sermons come easy. I've had experience, praise the Lord, I opened the text, and the outline just jumped out the Bible onto my page. <laughs> just like that. Complete with illustrations, all of that stuff. Oh, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and then sometimes... You get in the pulpit and you don't know exactly what you're going to say. All the preachers in here looking decent west. You know I'm telling the truth. Huh? There are times when it's not as easy as it's been other times, but God always provides. He's there to be your helper. He promised if you open your mouth, I will fill it. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't study. I knew of a church who, who would test their young preachers by having them stand up in the pulpit, open the Bible, put their finger in, and that's their text. And you're supposed to preach from right there. After all, they say, <laughs> if you're a preacher and you got the Holy Spirit and the Spirit will fill your mouth, just open a word and have at it, my brother. And they would test the young preachers that way. I'm glad I didn't go to that church. But God also rewards a constant thirsty search for new information from his word. God rewards me best when I say to him, Father, what would you have me say to your people? I don't care if it's good or bad or popular or that, but if I had a conviction that when I'm standing there, somehow or other I've been impressed that this is what you want me to say. I'll say it. And there have been times Samuel said, now, sure, Jesus, you want me to say this? <laughs> but you got to go on and do what God says. We have to be moved by the Spirit. Are you following me, saints? And so as we open ourselves to God, he will give us the power to go forth and excel. It's not through descendants, but only through Christ that all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And when we have enough common sense to follow God's plan, he will make us more than conquerors. We may not always like the part of the plan God has given us to play. Huh? Some people get the glory parts, don't they? Apostle Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament. But there were other apostles. Some of them are mentioned in only one text in the New Testament. And it's so like, he was a brother of. <laughs> You know, but he had a part to play. All the disciples, according to the tradition, met deaths of a martyr, of a martyr, right? But they had the high profile jobs. In the early church, there were deacons and deaconesses, right? And the people who lifted the offering and the people who took that and people just came to prayer meeting, right? All this stuff. Look in the Bible. Some of the people got the glory parts. Some of them were not as glorious to pay. Rahab was in the line of Jesus, right? Hid the spies. But she had to wait to find out what her role was, didn't she? She had to keep a secret. Because the spies told her, look, when we come back, put this red thread out the window, and we won't kill you. <laughs> so she could not tell anybody, first of all, that the spies had been there. Or about her emergency escape plan. Are you following me? In doing this, she probably didn't even know that she had a part to play in the lineage of Christ. But she did. And to this day, people read the word and mention her name. On the resurrection morning, 
she's going to be surprised that people from way down here in 2005, 2006, 2010, I hope the world don't go much longer than that, when they get to heaven, we'll be looking for Rahab. Rahab, I've always wanted to meet you. How did you know me? Because you were part of God's plan. You had a good gospel sense to do what Jesus said. We ought to help ourselves to the plan. So when you obey, God can do great things through you. You have a nation of influence. Abraham, through your obedience, all the nations of the earth will help themselves, bless themselves through your obedience. God is saying the same thing through you. One of the things that I hope I do not have to face in heaven is a record of the people that I might have reached but did not for reasons X, Y, and Z. Are you following me? I hope that somehow God had a backup plan. Each and our God makes himself responsible for salvation, amen? That does not excuse you from your part. Okay, but I hope he had a backup plan. If there was somebody I should have witnessed to, there's somebody I should have been diligent about taking that study to, but, well, you know how we make judgments about people. They probably won't judge or in the church anyway. I've seen folk like them so many times before, and they got this problem and that problem, and so, well, you know, they probably ain't going to join. Are you with me? I won't sit on that part of the cafeteria because, you know, a certain type of people sit over there. And that would have been somebody in your nation of influence that you could influence for Christ, but you did not obey. Hmm? Let's have the common gospel sense that you do what Jesus said. And there's blessings upon blessings upon blessings for us when we do what God says. You can have no power, no assurance, no comfort when you're not doing what God says. Are you with me, saints? Then, this text implies, last but not least, that the Christian is never helpless to do something for himself in times of difficulty. I did a little study in the Bible on a single word, thyself. <laughs> Interesting, all the things the Bible implies that Christians should be doing for yourself. Huh? Can I run down a few? I won't take time to exegete the passages. We'll be here all day. I won't take time even to read some of them. If you want a list, I can make it available next week. We all know that the Bible says, in 2 Timothy 2.15, we should study to show thyself approved. Right? Christian, if you're not studying, you're not helping yourself. You better move on. Did you know that the Bible says in 1 Kings 20, verse 22, strengthen thyself? Huh? It don't mean that deep within you, and this is a specious theology that's in the world today, that, well, you're looking for divinity, it's deep within. You're your own God. All you need is within yourselves. That's a lie. <laughs> I, I tried to put it more delicately. But that's what it is, right? The Bible says we're born in sin, shaping iniquity without ourselves. The human heart is definitely wicked. Who can know it? And sometimes you run out of strength. So the Bible is not talking about when it says strengthen thyself, that you can reach down inside and get what you need. The decision to do it is there. But in that text, it means when you strengthen yourself, it means to prepare. Huh? For trouble that's coming on the way. Hmm? Strengthen thyself. When trouble comes, be able to deal from a position of strength rather than emergency. Preached an old sermon once called The Perils of Emergency Faith. Type of faith you only reach back and get in the case of an emergency. Did you know that the Homeland Security is telling us, look, we're doing the best we can to prevent a terrorist attack from happening over here. But just in case, get yourself some water. <laughs> Are you listening? Have a couple of three days supply of food. 
Make sure your batteries are fresh so you can put it in your transistor radio that you only have stored aside to listen to civil, civil service reports in case of emergency. Now, they're not testing that system these days for no reason. I noticed recently that you used to only test it on Tuesdays. Now they do it twice a week sometimes. <laughs> okay? So you can listen to all of that stuff. Have you some water. Have you some food. Have a plan that if your family is separated when something happens, y'all know where you're going to be. You know how to contact each other. You know how to get to a common place and all of those things. Keep your cell phone charged. $64,000 question. How many are doing it? Bible says, strengthen thyself, prepare for the day of trouble. And we ought to be prepared for the things that are coming upon us. Did you know that the Bible says, humble thyself? <laughs> Heard somebody say the reason it says humble thyself is because you don't want God to do it. <laughs> the Lord can humble you. Sometimes it's not like one of those big public humiliation things, but it's one of those little quiet things deep in yourself. You know you've been cut to the quick. You know what I'm talking about? You think you're better than somebody else, and then they get the promotion? <laughs> Are y'all with me, church? The Lord can humble you. All your best laid plans. We this, this together. You done prayed about it, all that stuff, but you forgot a, a, a a precious foundation stone, the preparation in your life, there's a spiritual deficiency somewhere. God can't let you go forward half-hearted, so all your plans fall through. You've told everybody, oh yes, things are going to be well. We've got this under control. You know, yes, I'll let you know when it happens. When it's going to happen? Oh, about three weeks from now. Four weeks later, you haven't said nothing to anybody. <laughs> right? <laughs> God can humble you in that very area of your spiritual strength that you think you are the strongest in. God will send a test sometime and you will get an F minus. <laughs> huh? So right now, before that comes, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And in due time, he will lift you up. Did you know the Bible says we ought to examine ourselves? Take heed unto yourself. The words of the wise man had no greater application than to the Christian that the unexamined life is not worth living. Do you know we are so subject to deceptions that sometimes we think we're doing right when all along we're doing wrong? See, the only way you can really examine and take heed to yourself is to check yourself by a higher standard. The higher standard is not what other people are doing. You know? Some of us has a statistical approach to Christianity. Well, you know, the majority of the church is only studying their Bibles three days a week. <laughs> yes, they actually did a study in Sabbath school, and they're studying three days. I do four, sometimes five. <laughs> so I'm in good shape. You know, I'm spiritually more superior to the other. No. <laughs> in order to examine ourselves, we have to check ourselves by the standard of Jesus Christ. Take heed unto yourself and to the word. And, that, and when you do that, you will always come up lacking. But that's all right, because he makes the difference. You know, another dichotomy in the Christian's faith, we are told over and over again that the closer you get to Christ, the more inadequate you will feel. Now put that into human relationships. Would you want to be in a long-term relationship with somebody who always made you feel inadequate? <laughs> huh? But understand, the reason for the inadequacy is not that he doesn't love you, not that you're not making progress in the Christian faith, but he is the one and only perfect one. So when you compare yourself to him, you're always going to come up short. But don't despair. Know that he loves you anyway, and that the knowledge of your need is the very thing that he needs to fulfill everything in your life. It's another dichotomy. I feel inadequate in his presence, but I just can't stay away. I love being with him because there's something about him. Even though he knows everything about me, there's something about being in his presence that is the fullness of joy. And I leave there knowing that he loves me anyway. That I don't have to be any more better by my own efforts and anything than I am right now for him to love me. So that gives me courage to keep on keeping on and to check myself with him next week. Because <laughs> there's love 
in his presence. Did you know that the Bible says that we ought to delight ourselves in the Lord? What does that mean? The world has got a lot of things out there that can delight you. Recently, I called them Satan's weapons of mass distraction. Huh? A lot of things that we can get delighted in. But we have to make a choice to delight ourselves in the Lord. Did you know David has such an experience that the Bible says in Samuel that he was so down one day he had to encourage himself in the Lord? Huh? You know the story. David was on the run and he was living with King near Ziglag. And David had sort of not, was before he was a put, put in position of king. So he was running. So he was out living among the Philistines and all that stuff. So he had secured for him his army and their wives and children a place called Ziglag. And he was sort of like on a clandestine, I'm helping the king of Philistines by destroying the enemies of Israel type of mission. <laughs> so one day while David was out attacking the enemies of Israel, someone of Israel came behind him and attacked Ziglag where all of his men's Wives and children stood, stayed, and took them all captive. Notice, David was doing right. He was leading his men, wasn't doing nothing wrong. But the devil encompassed and came up behind him. He got blindsided. And the Bible says when the men saw that all their women and children were gone, well, they were ready to stone David. You know, Moses had a similar experience, right? Lord, I'm leading this two million hard-headed people toward the promised land. You told me to bring them out here. And when I looked for my party, all they had was some stones for dinner. <laughs> and they were getting ready to stone me. David was in a hard place. He had no <laughs> press secretaries or people on his side at that moment. He was all by himself. Now. If there's a scenario where a Christian can be tempted to become discouraged, it's when you think, excuse me, when you are convinced that you're the only one. David couldn't look to his, well, you know, great men, mighty men, killers of giants. Support me now. We're going to support you all right, David. <laughs> right? So the Bible said, David had to encourage himself in the Lord. You have a responsibility to keep yourself encouraged. Sometimes it simply comes down to a decision. Though the devil has come against me in great measure and my soul is crushed beneath this tile of temptation I choose to believe that God is still with me and I will not be discouraged you have to encourage your own heart sometimes you know I've had some dark days and the Lord's bringing me back to my health and some I lay up in that bed I always feel like Lord I went to the why me's, why now's, what for, all of that stuff. You know, had some dark days. Got a call from an old friend. I'm in my old church, she said, when you get discouraged, sing. <laughs> so I started singing. <laughs> Encourage myself. The other day I had to go to the doctor, and he was going to do a little minor procedure, but I had something similar like that done, and, and it, it was, well, you know, when you go to the doctor, they have, the nurses have this little thing to help you to know how much you're hurting. And they say, well, on the scale of one to ten, how painful is it? You know. <laughs> you're supposed to be there in the midst of your plane and be, you know, cognizant enough to say, oh, six, it's a six on the scale. Well, the last time I had a procedure similar to this, it was like 8.99. I know there's greater pain, but at the moment, there was none. So the doctor said, we're going to have to do something similar. I was a little upset. I didn't want to go. I knew I had to go. And I started thinking, boy, I wish I had somebody around here to pray with me. It would be nice. I actually thought this, there's some elders around here who could anoint me. Then the thought came, you a preacher? Anoint yourself. (laughs) 
I looked around the room, and there was a vial of anointing oil that I had taken home. I'm not kidding you. And I said, Lord, I don't know if I'm supposed to be doing this. I got on my knees and said, Lord, if I'm being presumptuous or something wrong, please forgive me, but I need a little help right now. <laughs> I said, if I can anoint others in the name of Jesus, <laughs> I'm going to anoint myself. So I said a little prayer in preparation. Lord, you know what I'm facing. Give me courage in Jesus' name. Amen. Put it on my head. Felt bad immediately. Sometimes you have to encourage yourself. Christians have to understand that even though there's nobody else around, if you were the only Christian on the planet, you have God's full attention. He's there to help you. You should never have to feel helpless if you would only hook into Jesus and help yourself. And when we help ourselves, <clears throat> others will be blessed. Christians far too often are unaware of the great masses of people around us who don't know Jesus, whose lives would be infinitely greater and better if you would only serve as a liaison to introduce them to the person who's made such a difference in your life. And it's just that simple. Far too many of us think that we can't influence anybody for Christ because we're afraid we might leave out a date in the 2300 days. Are you with me? Because we have not memorized all the text on the second coming of Jesus or on what happens when a man dies and all of that stuff, we think we can't witness. So when somebody comes our way, we like, well, my pastor's number is. Or we get tongue-tied and we don't say anything. huh? But if we would just obey God and use his power individually in our lives, we could be mighty dynamos of grace for Jesus. And the church would grow. Let me share this with you. Evangelism, page 699. People have said to me, well, you know, Pastor, we're not winning enough souls in the church. I have to agree. Every pastor would have every service to be standing room only. Huh? God is good. Sometimes we have overflow room only. Say amen. But our work done is not done in this community. Right? You really want the Holy Ghost to flow? Review and Herald, July 21st, 1869, it says, we have entire, when we have entire wholehearted consecration to the service of Christ, God will recognize the fact by an outpouring of his spirit without measure. But this will not happen while the largest portion of the church are not laborers together with God. I'm not sure if Ellen, who, who wrote this, meant this to be a litmus test. I know some pastors have taken it this way. They actually count the church, see how many people in the church. Then count to see how many people are in active ministry doing something for somebody else. Okay? That means if you are a church officer and you count the money, that's serving the Lord. Amen? We need the money counters. But that's not active ministry for somebody else. It helps the ministry. It is a ministry. Are you with me? But how many people are co-laborers together with Christ doing something for somebody else? So they make a mission. Might not be a bad thing for us to do. To set a goal of having at least 51% of the members in their church doing something for Jesus. Not just 50%, because she says the greater portion so it's got to be at least 50.1%. Y'all with me this morning? Huh? And those who have done this have seen a transformation in the church. They go to the Lord and say, Lord, now the greater portion of our membership is doing something for Jesus. That's good. That's not enough. 
we should be able to report every member involved in some ministry for Christ. Are you with me? And she says, when that happens, God will pour out his spirit on the church without measure. You want to see this community brought to Jesus? Help yourself. The last implication of this text is that when Jesus said that through me all the nations of the earth will be blessed, God was saying, there's enough of me in power for everybody. If you came to prayer meeting last week, you know that our study for our discussion groups is entitled, A Table for Six Billion. <laughs> Coming off the parable of the, the banquet, and he said, go invite everybody to come. And I thought about that, and I said, well, you know, Jesus said everybody could be saved. Hmm? So Jesus is making reservations for six billion, which is roughly the population of the earth. A table for six billion. Now, we know all ain't going. Some will choose to stay down here. But God has made plenty good room. There's enough for everybody. Help yourself. I close with this little thought. It would be interesting. There are various ways to study a church and how it's progressing and everything. It would be interesting to see what type of parameter of health the old, lowly, traditional potluck is for the church. You know, potluck seppers. That's one institution that crosses nearly all denominational lines. You know, every church I know about have potlucks every now and then. You know, and I've seen churches have them various different ways, right? Max Lucado, the famed writer, says he was part of a church one time that took their potluck so seriously, one of these super churches, that when they declared a potluck, they buy out the town. To the degree that the shopping centers, the stores, the grocery stores in town wrote them a letter and said, please let us know <laughs> when you're going to have a potluck. Because your members come down here and buy up everything. We don't have enough for everybody else. So when you have potlucks, we will stock extra things. Okay? So that there would be no lack. And they had to do that. Let the stores in town know when they're going to have a potluck. Right? So potlucks uh, manifest themselves in various different ways. And if you had a potluck like that, they had plenty of food, no doubt. Right? No doubt. And so when you come to that potluck, the servers could probably say, help yourself. There's some potlucks. where the service dare not put out that invitation because some of the saints would take too much <laughs> and not leave any for anybody else. Are you with me? So the service have to be careful. Sometimes this happens because the people who are asked to bring stuff to the potluck don't bring it. <laughs> Am I stepping on some toes this morning out there? <laughs> Help me, Holy Ghost. Either they forget or something happened, and so the servers, the organizers, got to make stuff stretch, right? So you come down to potluck, and the pot's are real lucky this week. The best cook have prepared, and the food's looking delicious, and you want a whole lot. You could just, I just have that one dish, and I just be satisfied. Just fill up my plate with that. And they said, no. <laughs> we got to serve you a little bit. <laughs> There's not enough supply for you to help yourself, right? Don't ever worry about there being a shortage of power, of grace, of mercy in Jesus' supply to his people. And all of these things where God wants you to excel, his invitation to us is still help yourself. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Holy Spirit, light divine, thank you for laying out before us through the plan of salvation and through the sacrifice and ministry of Jesus Christ, full and plenteous, copious provision through Jesus Christ. 
that whatever our spiritual need is, individually or as a church, you are there and we can have our fill. We can take as much as we want, but Holy Spirit, help us to want the things of God. Take our minds from the distractions of this earth. Take our minds from the things that would take us away. Take our minds from the squabbles and the things that come between us. Take our mind, Holy Spirit, from the preoccupations of this world. Take our minds even from the dangers in this dangerous, terrorist-ridden age that surround us. Help us to concentrate on taking our fill of thee. Lord, make us sensitive to our needs. Sometimes, Lord, we don't take what we need because we're not in touch with our needs in a way that we can accept and understand and receive. Show us our need this morning. And then may we hear within our ears our loving invitation to help ourselves, to bless ourselves by accepting you in our lives and then living in obedience so that you might bless others through us. Now while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, there might be somebody here today who heard God's invitation a long time ago, last week sometime, to come and join with his church, to become a member of his, of his remnant, of his believing people in this world before it is too late. But you put it off. But now you see the table spread and you know there's provision to take care of whatever that concern in your life was. And so we open the doors of the church. There's somebody here today who's not giving himself to Jesus and you want to go and join God's church. We just raise your hand where you are. God will see it and accept you into his kingdom and you will be a member of his holy nation with provision for everything that you need right now, right now. There's one, somebody who wants to come to Jesus right now. Raise your hand. God will see it. Then while that appeal lingers, there's somebody today who wants to rededicate themselves to the Lord and say, Lord, I know there's needs in my life, but I've been reluctant to receive your blessing. I want more, but I'm afraid of the testing. But now, Lord, I know you can take care of me. Will you help me help myself? Give me what I need. If that's your prayer, raise your hand. God will see it. And help and strength will be on the way. Lord, thank you for your power. Thank you for Jesus who laid, made himself available. And while time lingers, while the table is spread, may we take to our field to be strong, committed Christians for you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.